0: From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN, and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Put
1: my name up in the light.
0: It was a night to remember for James Harden, for Philly fans, and a night to forget for Boston sports fans it, let's face it i have had a brutal 48 hours watching the Celtics lose last night after watching the Bruins' epic collapse the night before. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And HD. I just keep thinking about Harden. You know, James Harden has faced his fair share of criticism when all he wants is ISO ball and to sh- shoot the ball 100 times. We sit there and say, well, you can't win that way. When he doesn't play with enough sort of finesse and shoot it often enough, we say, well, he's too conservative. Last night, he showed us that the very thing that we constantly say you can't do and win was what the team needed in order for Philly to get a massive win over the Celtics. And look, it's, it's, part, it, it's partially Harden to be great. It's partially the fact that Embiid wasn't in there. And it's partially the fact that the Celtics just flat out imploded that has all of us looking at it and saying, I don't want to be prisoner in a moment, but last night was an epic fail for Boston.
1: Well, I, I, I just like the mindset of James Harden coming out into game one of this series, understanding that, yes, you're not going to have Joel and be the you know likely favorite to win the MVP award. So his mindset of aggressiveness was on point in my eyes, Fitz. He came out, he started the game three for three, and then Tom Lee hit big shot after big shot. And we all know the one last night that everyone is talking about today is when P.J. Tucker set a screen you know, on the guy that was guarding him. And then now he ends up with Al Horford guarding him, a five-man. And for the Boston Celtics, you you can't allow that. Or I would double-team and trap James Harden in that situation, especially knowing what he's done to me up until that point. And I would force P.J. Tucker to take that last shot. Uh, But just leaving Al Horford on the island with James Harden, I don't think that's good business. And, you know, Joe Mazzulla is going to have to go back and and, and figure out what they're going to do in those type of situations because – now, and I hate saying it like this because every game is meaningful. Now, home court advantage is now towards Philly, and they don't have to play in B now in game two. Therefore, he gets to rest that much longer so he can be that much better for game three.
0: And that, and that's a consistent take on this show because we said the same thing about Jimmy Butler. Uh, do they need to rush him back to the series against the Knicks? Well, no, Miami stole game one. So knowing Miami stole game one, like they can afford to rest him for a couple of days. You're 100% right. And here's the thing. I, I, I mean, when you really just lay it out on the table, I hated the defense at the end against Harden. I didn't like the call. I hated the offense when they needed a bucket at the end. I didn't like the call. Like I I just that's why everybody I think is freaking out here is because the Celtics have so many talented players and it just felt like players weren't put in the right position to be the best of themselves at the end of the game when they needed it the most. Like I think that's the reason this feels like such a kick in the no-no places as a loss. It's not just that they lost. It's that I hated both the both ends of the floor at the end of the game.
1: And and I'll say as much as you know the Boston Celtics had typhoons at the end of that ball game, we do have to give a lot of credit to the Philadelphia seventy ers and Doc Rivers and you know James Harden scoring forty five Tyrese Maxey having twenty six even though he missed some open looks but I thought he was phenomenal at times the Anthony Melton coming off the bench. And going five for six from the three-point line, I'm pretty sure the Memphis Grizzlies would have loved to have a guy like that coming off the bench hitting three-pointers because that's something that they lack. Tobias Harris scoring 18. But, you know, Paul Reed stepping in for MB scoring 10 points, 13 rebounds, having that double-double, but hitting those four huge free throws at the end of the game. And as a team, the, the, the 76ers only had six turnovers. Six turnovers to the 16 of the Boston Celtics in which they scored 20 points off of those 16 turnovers that the Celtics did have.
0: Now, obviously, Coach Missoula was asked about the last call, the last offensive play call. This is what he had to say about it after the game.
1: What was the final play supposed to be uh, on offense? It was just a read. It was dependent upon the matchup. They switched their matchup. And so it was just a read, and Smart try to make a play at the end. Mmm. Whoa. <laughs> hey. Oh, well, you know, Jason Tatum was phenomenal in this game. You know, Jalen Brown was hitting shots too. Did, did we not realize? And you got to have self awareness throughout a basketball game, too, as a head coach. Marcus Smart had 12 points and uh, six turnovers. One of the main things that I took from the NBA Finals and season go fits was that okay, Marcus Smart isn't a true point guard, and that's and and, and, and I'm okay with that because he brings a different level of defensive uh, intensity. It's supposed to be because that that was last season, but when. You know, they came into the offseason. They identified that, you know what, maybe we need to get Malcolm Brogdon in here. Malcolm Brogdon had a typhoon turnover at the end as well. But when you have a Jason Tatum and a Jalen Brown, can we just get the damn ball to them? Because time and time again, I've seen Jason Tatum make tough shot after tough shot. Just give those guys the ball and let them go to work.
0: Well, and to, we talked about that with De'Aaron Fox in the Kings game when De'Aaron Fox had the game, the ball near the end of the game. Harrison you said, Barnes, you, you said, "Don't pass that ball."
1: At he least, still ain't showed up in the
0: playoffs, but at least the ball was in De'Aaron Fox's hands, right? Like at least, yes. at least Fox had the shot at it. Like, yep. uh, no pun intended. Uh, the, this whole design was just—I I, I don't understand it. Because to your point, there are two guys on the Celtics that we all know are two of the best in the NBA that you want in that situation. You got two guys, not. One, you got two guys that should be able to take that shot. And instead, you just get cute with it. And, and I understand, you know, it's, it's based on the read, whatever. I, I, I still don't like the concept of, hey, if, it's, if the game's on the line. And, and you know what's on uh, what's at stake for that one. There is just a very simple rule here to me. You got two guys, you get it in their hands right away. Now, if one of them dishes it out, like, okay, if one of the guys doesn't feel like the look is there and it's the right basketball play, fine. But if you're not even giving them the opportunity to get to that point, to, you, to what you just said, Brogdon with the turnover, Smart with the wrong play, like, oh, is this really how we're drawing it up
1: when the game's on the line? Man, and I'll be honest with you, that Brogdon turnover – I was upset with Jason Tatum because he had that ball before he had the ball. And the shot clock was going down. So, Jason, go up and shoot the basketball. Don't try to pass it to somebody late in the shot clock. That's why you're there. That's why you're the superstar. So you can make those plays. But for the Boston Celtics as a team, right, Fitz, they shot a better field goal percentage at 58.7. They shot more free throws in Philly, 18 to Philly's 12. They had more rebounds in Philly, 38 to 28. They had more assists, 26-17, to but defensively, they were checked out. And they only haven't been like that in Game 1. They was like that in the Hawks series as well.
0: How does that happen? I mean, that's the the, the very simple—this is what Boston fans should be screaming. Like, Harry yesterday as a Bruins fan was definitely screaming, how does this happen? If you're a Celtics fan tonight, you are—today, you are screaming— How? How? Because every single and I'll keep using this word, but every single one of the things that you've mentioned here are controllable. Control the controllables. Uh, your, Your play calling at the end, who you're putting the the ball in the hands of, to a certain degree, that is controllable. You find a way to get your best players the ball. At the end, when you need a defensive stop, when you need defensive energy throughout the course of the game. Nope. That's a variable that can be controlled. I, I, like, th- that's why it's, it's maddening. I mean, if you're a Celtics fan, maybe your hope is, hey, these are all things that we'll fix. But also, at the end of the day, those things went wrong and you lost to a team that didn't have the presumptive MVP on their team. I, now, guess I, th- guess th- what,
1: though? You know, Game 2 is on Wednesday. The mm-hmm. pressure is not on the Philadelphia 76ers. No. It's on the Boston Celtics because now home, home court has switched to Philly at this moment. And then that's when they're supposed to get their big dog back, Joel Embiid.
0: And you, there, there is one thing Game three, here. that is, I mean. I think one thing that's important here is, unlike the Miami series, which has a little bit of a break, uh, they are every other game. So, to your point, you've got a game Wednesday night between these two teams, then you've got a game Friday night between these two, two teams in Philly. Those extra days, when you're talking about coming back from a knee injury, that is... Huge, And what he's going to be able to do for pain tolerance, presuming that Joel Embiid can get back on the court, for what he's going to be able to do uh, with with mobility, uh, just how he's going to feel on the court, these are huge opportunities to come. but,
1: But here's the best thing about when Joel Embiid is going to come back, right? And we're predicting he's going to be back game three in Philly. That's Cinco de Mayo. So you know he's gonna be up for that one. That's Cinco de Mayo. Does that, I mean,
0: is that that's the reason I'm gonna be excited? Tequila
1: on three, tequila on me. Okay. Yeah. I'm,
0: yeah. Are you like a a fancy tequila guy or a dirty tequila guy?
1: Like, uh, I would, oh, I mean, it, it depends on what we're talking about. Okay. Like, you okay. know, I mean, am I am I am, I am I am I in public or I'm I'm uh, at home?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Like, see, this is the one thing I've struggled to find in Connecticut that I love. There are plenty of Mexican restaurants in, in uh, Connecticut that are fine. I just like my Mexican food, like when I go to a Mexican restaurant, to come for a place where, like, everything was wrapped in tinfoil and covered in cheese sauce. Like, I want that version of, like, you know, where you walk in and you order vegetarian platter F. And you know it's gonna be like a bean burrito, a cheese enchilada, a cheese quesadilla, and it's been smothered in like some sort of like queso and just like sour cream. Boy, they give you like a whole bucket of sour cream on the side. None of it's like fancy, none of it like you know, I that that is a hundred percent what that's I want.
1: It's called Taco Bell fits.
0: I, I want the next step up for Taco <laughs> Bell. Yeah. That's like,
1: that's Tex-Mex, though. That's Tex Mex food.
0: Yeah, see, I don't want I don't want any of this like bougie, fancy, like I I want I want to question. I wanna question. go to the hole
1: in the wall. I want to go to the yeah. hole in the wall. Mexican I want to question
0: whether or not my fajita plate was actually Austria, if they just figured, ah, it's hot, we'll reuse it. Like that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I, i I understand what you're saying, but a nice, nice Mexican restaurant with a nice quesadilla, tacos. No, oh, that's, yeah. po- that's pointless. If I no, want, no, nice... I can't,
1: I can't poop on Taco Bell because I love me some Taco oh, Bell. yeah, no, I love Taco pizza. Bell. I
0: would, I would rather go to Taco Ooh. Bell than the fancy Mexican restaurant any day of the week, any day but of the week.
1: Mexican food is my wife's favorite, so I know I'll actually be in Louisville because you know it's Derby weekend, and I know where she's gonna look up and find some Mexican restaurant we can go to tequila on three tequila on me baby does that change our love friday i mean love friday
0: well but it's cinco de mayo like cinco de mayo like do you do, do we need to find all, like, maybe all Spanish love? Like, Devin, we're going to start having a look at the Spanish love making songs? Ooh, yeah, we I like you that. know what? A lot. We might, yeah, we might we'll have to do that.
1: We might have to do that. All right, You're now, right. Uh, we might
0: have to. Tune in Friday for the most eclectic Spanish love songs you could ever hear on Love Fridays. All right, James Harden was spectacular <laughs> last night for the Sixers. But was it the best performance of the entire postseason? Good take, hot take next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app.
1: and Harry, the podcast. Good take. That's good. Great. Or a hot take.
0: How hot? Red
1: hot. Find out
0: now with Fitz and Harry. You know the drill. We're gonna lay out some of the best and the worst takes from our peers. We'll play a take and then we'll decide if it's hot, 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 hot. as in great, 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 or if it's not. If it's a uh, not. We'll see where it goes from there. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Good take. Hot take. HD, you ready for this? Let's go. All right, We're going to start with our buddy Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, was on Keyshawn J. Will and Max talking about who had the best individual playoffs of the performance of the playoffs so far
1: that's got to be stuff i mean a 50 spot in a game seven on the road key i i, I have to put it there i mean you watch, you watch history with what he did in that game with the pressure that's in that situation and knowing his mindset coming in you now 38 shots so what do you think he was thinking about headed to the arena I'm going to have to make sure we don't lose tonight. Like, this is on me. Um, and and even from, like, just the way you're going to be looked at, you know, you lose the game and Steph comes up short. Like, the pressure on his shoulders to get them through that moment and extend their series. I think Harden had zero pressure on him last night. You agree? Good take? Hot take? No, I think that's a good take, especially when you have Andrew Wiggins shooting five for 16, one for three from the three-point line. Clay Thompson, four for 19 two for 10 from the three-point line. Steph Curry put that team on his back and his shoulders on the top of his head and led the Golden State Warriors to a victory in Game 7, in which it was a Game 7 like we'd never seen before from any of the greats or anybody else in NBA history.
0: Yeah, I have to agree with you totally. Like What Steph did is something that will always be talked about when we talk about the great moments of Steph. What Harden did last night was something that in a year from now we'll say, well, we've seen this before. That's just the way the world works on it. So I agree. All right, let's... Uh, let's get our brother Swagoo mixed in on this. Marcus Spears, ESPN football analyst on Get Up, though, was breaking down a little bit of NBA, talking about what the Lakers-Warriors series means for LeBron.
1: Out of all of the seminal moments in his career, he's the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. He is top 10 in assists, top 10 in rebounds, all of those things. This will be a, a, a seminal moment we point to to add to a legacy that we already think is cemented. But this will be a part of that story that you tell about LeBron James, even if they don't go home to win a championship. If he takes down the Golden State Warriors in this series, this will change a lot of the narrative about LeBron James when it comes to how he added to this legacy in year twenty. I don't know, Harry. Oh, uh, no, but... I, 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 that's 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 uh, that's not a take. I, I think it's it's, it's, hot. it's hot. I mean, like, that is a hot take. That is a hot take. I think if they go on and win the NBA finals, then that's a different ballgame. That's a different conversation. Just beating the Golden State Warriors, I don't believe that adds to LeBron's legacy. Now, I think it adds to Steph Curry's legacy if they go on and win this series. And they can go on and win the NBA championship as well. But I think just winning this series won't do it. Yeah, I, I need to see you get to the NBA finals.
0: For LeBron, to win to win a championship— He would have to have come in as the play in, beaten the two seeded Memphis Grizzlies. That's fine. Then take down the Warriors, huge brand. Then would either take down the Suns, uh, where it's KD, or you take down Jokic and the Nuggets, just to get a lot of street cred for that. And then you'd have to win a championship likely over either Philadelphia or Boston. That does feel like the type of run that would mm-hmm. give people pause. Even if you've made up your mind on LeBron, you're like, man, all right, got to give a tip of the hat at his age to do it that way. So I think there is some that, some you know, chipping away of the legacy conversation for LeBron, but not if it doesn't enter the championship. Just this win alone won't do it. He's got to actually go out and win a championship for anybody to change their mind. All right, uh, we're keeping good take, hot take going. And this one, a little bit of uh, draft action here. Matt Miller, our buddy, ESPN NFL draft analyst on Sunday morning on ESPN Radio said this about which quarterback he thinks could be the best in the NFL in three years from this year's draft he looks like a different quarterback. You know what? watching him throw at the... I'll say that again. Anthony Richardson could be the best quarterback in the NFL in three years from this year's draft.
1: He looks like a different quarterback. You know what? watching him throw at the combine, I was sitting in the stands right behind him as he threw. Watching that, it did not look like the guy who was at Florida. Produce same thing. It's like, gosh, it, he looks like he's figured it out mechanically. With Anthony, it's almost like he's the exception a little bit in, in what we say. It's like, watch the film, watch the film, watch the film. But you have to take in the development aspect into consideration. And that's the key for him. It's not where he's at. It's where he could be in three years, and he could be the best quarterback in the NFL in three years. Oh, I think that's a good take. Um, I think he has the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks being drafted this year. You, I think the, his ability, his athleticism gives him, I think, the upper hand when it comes to young quarterbacks coming to the National Football League because now you can minimize a lot of things in the pass game because of his ability. But I also think a lot of things will open up in the pass game because now safeties have to declare and come out in the box and you may see a little bit more man coverage. Usually when you have a rookie quarterback, defensive coordinators, they want to blitz them, blitz them, blitz them, blitz them, blitz them and see if they can uh, pick up uh, uh, blitzes and see, see if they can decipher what's going on on the football field. With Anthony Richardson, his ability is so good and his athleticism is so good as well to the point to where you have to kind of be vanilla to make sure you cover the run game aspect of things.
0: There's an article on ESPN.com right now. Uh, where Stephen Holder, uh, our ESPN Colts uh, writer, uh, gets into the background behind the decision the Colts made to draft Anthony Richardson. In that article that went up today, it says, Ballard decided, Chris Ballard, that would be the GM of the Colts, decided Richardson was the Colts' top choice weeks before the draft. Ballard privately shared his stance uh, with the group a month before. The conclusion Ballard said was simple. All of the available quarterbacks had noteworthy flaws in the Colts' view. So, if they all have noteworthy flaws, the quote... Why not take the one who could be a grand slam? That's Ooh. how Ballard saw it. I think there's some real logic to that. I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think that's a hot take. And that's a uh, just, it, it makes sense to me when you see it laid out that way. So, uh, by the way, 32024 24 as we play uh, good take, hot take. Three twenty twenty four mock drafts have the Cardinals selecting first and second in the 2024 NFL draft. Remember, they acquired Houston's first-round pick last year. So three different mock drafts are telling us that they believe that the Cardinals and the Texans will be the two worst teams in football next year. Good take, hot take, that the Cardinals will have the first two picks of the draft. What do you think, Harry? First two picks for the Cardinals.
1: That would mean the Houston Texans will have to be the second-worst team in the National Football League next year? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be the second worst team. So, I think they'll have the first pick. I don't know about the first two.
0: Yeah, I I think right now the Titans could be in a bit of a rebuild mode also. Like, there are enough bad teams in the Texans division. They'll be able to get some wins. The Colts are going to be rebuilding. So, yeah, I think that's a hot take. Somebody's going to surprise suck. As long as it's not the Raiders, I'll be fine. Uh, But I'm just preparing myself for it right now. (laughs) All right, that's some good take, hot take. Coming up, we'll tell you who the most important players in the Warriors-Lakers series are that aren't named LeBron and Steph. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio Sirius XM Channel 80.
1: Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The Warriors advance a decisive Game 7 win and bring on the Lakers in Round 2. It'll be a tough series, but that's what you expect as you move forward in the playoffs. But we're going up against a very good team. Played them a couple times, I think, since the trade, and they look extremely different. We got a young ball club with not much experience in the postseason. So as hard as this series
0: felt and as hard as this series was, it gets even harder when you move a level up. And it gets harder and harder. So they understood that, and they'll be ready for it. The most anticipated series of the second round of the playoffs starts tonight with the Lakers taking on the Warriors on what is absolutely must see TV. That game at ten o'clock tonight. Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio, the ESPN app Series XM channel 80. Harry Douglas, you gotta help me figure the most important part of this app. That game's at ten. I, I usually, you know, a couple of rules uh, in this fitness journey for me. I don't drink caffeine after three thirty in the afternoon because uh, that's what the nutritionist told me not to do. So I don't drink any caffeine after three thirty in the afternoon. And I, uh, I, I it, it, once I get to dinner, I'm not really taking in any unnecessary carbs. Like I'll eat something healthy if it has a carb in it, but I don't take any unnecessary carbs. Try not to eat after eight o'clock at night, no matter what. This game mm-hmm. doesn't tip until ten. Like I want to pop popcorn, I want to watch the game. I don't know if I what like what do I do? Like uh, what what's the snack approach to a 10 p.m. game if I want to look like Harry Douglas someday?
1: Well, you have a protein bar that you can eat. Oh, okay. I could just have
0: or I could have a protein you protein
1: bar, I, I you, know, can you know, something sip, like that. Sip on a protein shake maybe throughout the course. What, of the what day? about some apples with some peanut butter? Is, is, is that, that, is that some fun? Some nuts
0: like, you know, almonds, <laughs> cashews.
1: I do love nuts.
0: Uh yeah, I, like I'm a big almonds guy.
1: I'm a, Applesauce? Not, not me. I'm not a big nuts guy.
0: Okay. Well, see, apples like that's uh, that's you know a lot. That's just a lot of sugar to be putting in this Adonis of a body that late at night. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> gotta have time to burn it off. Plus, like, I
1: can't stand <laughs> the, the other my, the
0: other the other side of it is like I get up at six a to to you know, good Orange Theory. I, I like I'm gonna have to quick wrap around. I, I, I'm just whew.
1: Well, can I can I tell you last night? So the game was so late. Those West Coast games are so yes. late. I felt myself, you know, going to sleep last night, so what I did is I hit record on my TV and when I got up this morning, I watched the rest of the game. Oh, I do that all because the time. I, I've been dozing off lately, man, because those games, are they're on to like, what, 12, 30, 1 o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, It is not uncommon for me to come back from Orange Theory and then turn the game on while I'm making my breakfast, and I can watch the second half of whatever game. I know the result at that point, but I want to see how it played out so I'm not just watching a couple of highlights. I watch it while I make my mountain of eggs in the morning. Again,
1: but I But Adonis. I know I know that tonight, game one of this game, this magnitude, Lakers versus the Warriors, Steph Curry versus LeBron James, there's no way I'm falling asleep tonight. No No way whatsoever.
0: So Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, the question becomes, uh, let's let's eliminate Steph and LeBron from the conversation and and do the only 10 minutes in this entire series that will ever be done when we're not talking about those two specifically. Who else needs to show up? I know AD is obviously on that list, but uh, I, 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 and we all get that. When the, when the Lakers go through AD, they win. I get that. But, like, do you have your eye on anybody else in this series that you think, man, this guy could be the difference?
1: Yeah, I think for me it's D'Angelo Russell, right? I think he has to be phenomenal in this series, not just offensively, but also on the defensive end. You don't have any time within any of these games – to where, you know, he can feel like he can relax. Defensively, you have to be on point because Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, the way those guys move without the basketball. Also, I don't think he can be, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We've seen them in the last – in the closeout game that they had, you know, 12 for 17 from the field, 31 points. But you got to be consistent. You can't, you know – Previous games before that have four points, five points, seven points, single digits at any point. You have to be phenomenal for your basketball team. And I say when you look at the Golden State Warriors, well, I'll go two guys for the the Lakers. Austin Reeves, he has to be the phenomenon that he's been, you know, since All-Star break. Just ball out and, and do what you do. And I think for the Golden State Warriors, there's two people for me. It's Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. Because I do believe LeBron and Darvin Hamm and those guys, they're going to try to get the ball out of Steph Curry's hand. I do believe they're going to be very, very physical with the Golden State Warriors too, especially, you know, getting over screens and, you know, just being physical with those guys r- running running across the baseline trying to free up. So, Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins, they're going to have to be able to hit open shots if, you know, they force the ball out of Steph Curry's hands.
0: I am interested to see what the defensive approach is on Steph, right? Because Jared yeah. Vanderbilt has been the guy they sort of put on everybody, which is, you know, it is what it is. Like, that's that's what they did against Ja for a part of this, too. Uh, but Dennis Schroeder is somebody that they've used on Curry throughout the course of the season. So, how they choose to try and run with him is going to be interesting to me. Also... You know, I, I just think that there is going to be some some pressure on Looney to see how he plays at the rim, right? Like they're just gonna beat yeah. each other up. So like as weird as it sounds, and I know I keep mentioning Kevon Looney, but I think he's a huge key in this matchup, but just the ability to come in, give quality minutes, and be a physical presence underneath. I don't I don't even think it needs to be twenty rebounds, but you gotta make everybody work for everything around you. Like that that's what he's gonna be able to do. It that's the big key for me in my mind is are you making everybody else work harder you got to make steph work harder than he's used to working mm, yep. you're going to have to make the big guys around the rim work harder than they're used to working like those are the two keys especially because if this series goes a long time you know we just talked a lot about the, the age of the lakers well, it's not like the Warriors are over here spring chicken. it with some of, the, some of their guys, too, right? So how this series wears on as it goes multiple games, I just the extra effort required in movement, I think, is going to be key for
1: it, Harry. Well, I think here's the difference, though. I mean, and I understand the Warriors aren't young, but their pace of play is get up and down the floor. Like yeah. We've just seen them with a young team in the Sacramento Kings you know, go up and down the floor, make shots, and win that series in seven games. I think if you're if you're the Los Angeles Lakers, when you're on the offensive end, I think AD is a chess piece because now he can bring Looney away from the basket, and now he's forced to have to guard on the perimeter as well because AD has the ability to knock down jump shots.
0: Yeah, that's what's – I think the most interesting thing to me also just when we talk about coaches, right? Because mm-hmm. Darvin Ham I, I did a really nice job in the first round. There were some questions about what that would look like. But, man, do I trust Steph. Or Steph, I I always trust Steph. Uh, I I, I trust Kerr, right? Like, at the end of the day, I I, I trust Kerr. So the adjustments game to game in this are going to be kind of wild because AD and LeBron should, and I'll say should in big caps, like when we text in the group text, there's sometimes Harry puts one particular word in all (laughs) caps because he wants to make sure it's getting emphasis, right? Like, that's what I'm doing here. Like, AD and LeBron should be a mismatch for Literally anybody, right? So if those guys are out there asserting their dominance and Steph is out there asserting his dominance, this becomes a really interesting series because both sides should have a mismatch. Nobody's going to shut down Steph in my mind. Nobody will shut down LeBron and AD if LeBron and AD are bringing the best of their game. So all of those ancillary side pieces are going to have to come up big.
1: See, here's here's another key thing for me. Who on Golden State is going to be guarding Vanderbilt? Because you don't have to work as hard on the defensive end when you're guarding him. Is it going to be Andrew Wiggins? Is it going to be uh, Clay Thompson? I-, I would think more so you would probably want Clay to be that guy, just so he's not exerting so much energy. And when he's on the offensive end, he's the one guy you really want to be able to make open shots but that's the luxury you have if you're the Golden State Warriors. Now, Darvin Ham, at some point, if Vanderbilt isn't stopping Steph Curry if they put him on him, do you substitute him out for another offensive weapon because now you're forcing the Golden State Warriors to guard everyone on the basketball court?
0: Yeah, that's that's gonna be really interesting when you start thinking about how how the wear and tear of all that plays out. And you know, and you mentioned Wiggins. I know we've talked a lot about how much time he missed this year every single game that he gets back he's only going to get better and better and better right like to think Mm -hmm. about the impact he had at times in the first round and what that will mean for the second round and if they go past that the third round like Wiggins is knocking the rust off and still able to be a big part of this. The individual opportunities to make legacies in this series are going to be absolutely incredible. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance can protect your small business with over 30 coverage options, an easy-to-use mobile app, personalized discounts, love that, and more. Get a quote in as little as six minutes at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Discounts and coverage selections not available in all states or situations two teams that face big questions ahead of their game, too. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and SiriusXM Channel 80.
1: Brought to you by Bank of America. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. one two three 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 three, three. three is a magic move. jimmy butler's one of the toughest players fits that i've ever seen in any sport i don't see how a rolled ankle would keep him out of this game but if you're miami and you're doubting anything I would sit him out this one if you have any doubts, and, but Jimmy would have to, you know, agree with that, which I don't think he would would, would agree with. No, but because you, but of the time between like games two and three. Three hours later, the
0: NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. The Knicks host the Heat, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations and on Sirius XM channel 80 the question is who's going to be healthy miami in new york miami stole game one with a convincing victory jimmy butler a big part of it this is eric spolster the heat head coach giving us the latest update on jimmy butler at his press conference
1: same as last night he's doing treatment around the clock probably won't have any uh, update until before the game
0: so harry as we sit here hours before the game, your point still stands. I mean, you're up one nothing. Do you risk your superstar, or do you let him sit? You encourage him to sit knowing that the next game in this series stunningly is not until Saturday.
1: You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. Hearing Coach Spo say that it's, it's a game-time decision, I don't see how Jimmy Butler doesn't play this game, Fitz. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, his mental and physical toughness, I, I really don't see how he's sitting out this ball game because especially when you have an opportunity to go up 2-0 on the New York Knicks because if I'm Jimmy Butler I'm thinking from the mindset I don't want them to feel like they have any life when they come back to Miami I want to snatch their soul and take it from them before they even get down to South Beach
0: I love the way you say that because like on the one hand I've been saying hey you're playing with house money one game one on the other hand you know, they just flashed it up here in another series. Like, the Suns are down 2 nothing to the Nuggets. The Suns in, in team history are 0-13 when they're down 2 nothing. You take a 2 nothing w- lead in a series, man, you are in the driver's seat. You take a 2 nothing series lead by winning the first two games in New York? I mean, that is a knockout punch, is it not? Like, that's the sort of thing that it just takes it to – if you're up 2 nothing, Miami and you're headed – Home, and by the way, you still get Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're still going to get three days plus all of that that game on Saturdays at 3.30 in the afternoon. So you get three and a half-ish days to continue to rehab it. I mean, you're right. There is the opportunity for Miami to come here and say, the most important thing is let's get the knockout punch right now and just take them out of this game.
1: Remember two years ago when the the Milwaukee Bucks went down 2-0 to the Phoenix Suns? Remember in the NBA Finals? Let me tell you the difference, though. Milwaukee had a superstar player in Giannis Antetokounmpo. You see what I'm saying here? Yeah. When you look at the New York Knicks and them being down 2-0, the Knicks don't have a superstar player. But guess who does? The Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler.
0: And, and the more you're talking about, I'm lo- just looking at the schedule. Again, several days until the next game. The next game isn't until Saturday. But let me, let me just add one more element to this. Then their next game after that isn't until Monday. So if he plays tonight and you go up two nothing and the ankle doesn't feel good, you would have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you don't have that next game until Monday evening. <laughs> so you'd have almost six full days to get ready for your next game. In the grand scheme of things, as I look at it, you know, on the one hand, it'd say, Well, you're up one you're up one nothing. You're playing with house money. If you go up two nothing, and then all of a sudden he needs extra time. You still have the opportunity to go back in that in that situation. The more I talk about it, the more I'm talking myself into. I think you're right. I think if he if he can play, he has to play. This is what Kyle Lowry, by the way, his teammate said about the you know the importance of having a complete team around. If you don't have Jimmy Butler.
1: That's why you build a team. You don't build a a one-player roster. You build a 17-man roster, a 15-man roster for guys to be able to step up. Unreplaceable guy in Jimmy. um, If he goes, he goes. If he's not, then, shoot, we got to find a way to just go out there and do our job still. We still got to go hoop. Well, I'll be honest. I don't think they can find a way if Jimmy Butler doesn't play because he's the catalyst for everything they want to do offensively, defensively, and also mindset-wise. Now, on the flip side of this whole entire you know conversation that we're having the New York Knicks need Julius Randle and yep. that was evident in game 1 that they needed that other scorer a guy that can score in the paint that can shoot the three and also shoot jump shots from the mid range so that was missed in their in in the, in game 1 um in this series and the Knicks I believe really 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 need Julius Randle to play in this game
0: that's the wild part of it too like we're talking about the uh in, we're talking about the injury situation here but the fact is the injuries the injury bug is equally hitting the Knicks at this point. So, you know, they're they're not in an ideal situation either, is they're trying to figure out uh, what to do and how to manage their roster. And, and it feels like we may have two incomplete teams tonight or two guys, two teams with hobble players, Harry, that are battling each other knowing what's on the line. Like, New York's going to play desperate, but how do you play desperate when you're dealing with the injury issues that they're dealing
1: with? Well, well for New York, I, I think the three-point line, they shot 20 per, 20% in, in game one. I don't think they're going to win game two if they shoot 20% again. And they understand, and we all know, that the Miami Heat want to keep this team out of the paint. That was something coach Spo mentioned time and time again when he was mic'd up during the first matchup. So, they're going to have to be able to hit their open shots, hit their open threes, and I would say shoot at least between 35 and 40% from the three-point line, but you can't be 20%.
0: Well, and by the way, I should point out that the Knicks added uh, Jalen Brunson to the injury list yesterday as well uh, with a sore right ankle. Now, now whether Ooh, that what it. that means uh, for his – like, there's been no indication that he won't play in this game, and so I'm not going to say that he won't be there, but that is another addition to the injury list. So now you have the two most important players for you on the injury list on one side and the most important player for you on the injury list on the other side. It just – it feels like this is that moment where you're going to find out, you know, we keep talking about – the rest of rosters, the other guys, you're gonna find out who can pull something out. And you mentioned Spo earlier, like this is where Coach Spolster gets a ton of street credit. I the more we get into the playoffs the more I continue to look at certain coaches that have proof of concept and you say, okay, if everything's going to go to you-know-what for both sides, what can I trust? The answer to that is a coach. Like, there are certain coaches that you trust. Spolstra, like Steve Kerr, there are certain coaches that you just look at it and say, I don't know how, but my guy's a magician. He figures that stuff out.
1: Well, I'll tell you this. You know, my brother played for Coach Spo down there in Miami when he was on that team that lost to the, the Spurs in the NBA Finals. The way Coach Spo has... Built his resume, you know, being a video guy, going through the organization, becoming a head coach. He has a ton of respect from everyone across the league, from Pat Riley, also from those players. And they trust that he's going to put them in the best situations possible, not just offensively, but also on the defensive side of, uh, of the ball as well.
0: Well, you know me, man. Like, I'm the first to admit that I flat out overvalue when it comes down to it, I overvalue proof of concept. There is so much proof of concept to the Heat and Spolster in this situation. Uh, The the back's against the wall in that matchup tonight. That's obviously the early game tonight. You can check that one out at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Miami, at New York, and then obviously uh, Lakers at Golden State, 10 o'clock p.m. And don't forget, you can listen to NBA action across ESPN radio. You don't want to miss it. You also don't want to miss Canty and Carlin. I hear the entire Lakers and Golden State rosters are going to join in for the show. Who knows? Thanks for listening to Fitz and Harry.
1: to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on the ESPN radio and you can watch on the ESPN app.